Last week we started a little series that I'm calling Dwell, and we talked about dwelling on the past. How many know that our past failures, our past mistakes, stuff in our past can hold us back from what God wants us to do in our life? And somehow we, we, we look back on those things and we, we're kind of stuck in that and we talk about how we can't advance what God has for us if we're constantly looking over the shoulder to what is behind us when he has something better in front of us. And so many people get stuck in that idea, the trap, they can't move forward because they're so busy looking back. Well, you know what? We can't do anything to change the past, but the future is what's in front of us. And God desires you something. And we also talked about that even sometimes our great spiritual successes of the past can get in the way of what God wants to do for us in the future because we think that because he did it that way in the past that that's the way he has to do it. And sometimes God says, I want to do a new thing. I'm going to do something different. So we can't get caught. The point is we can't get caught dwelling on the past. Now, we can remember the past. I mean, no, it's good to remember the past. It's good to remember the times that God showed up and miraculously worked out something for you because when you have a track record of that and you see those things, it's a little easier to say that, like, like David said, the, the same God that delivered me from the lion and the bear is going to deliver me from this giant because he had a track record he could look back on. So there's a power in that, but we can't get caught up in the past. So this morning, we're going to talk about a little bit different. We're going to move a little bit forward in time. And we're, today, we're going to talk about dwell in the presence. Not the present, but the presence. So I was thinking about that. I remember when both of my boys were, were younger. We, we had this problem. How many of you remember what it's like when you have little, little kids? Housekeeping is an impossibility. And it seemed like no matter what rules we set, toys migrated to the living room. No, your room is where you play. These are the areas for that, but, but, but toys would migrate. And, that, and so finally they grow up and they, and they move out of the house and they get married. And we're excited about that because now we got, we, got, um, we got daughter-in-laws and we got a grandchild on the way and all those things are great. And so now we're like, hey, we can finally keep the house clean. (laughs) Well, not exactly. Because we've got a dog that if we're in the living room, thinks she's got to go, well, not just toys, but she thinks she's got to get a mouthful of her food, walk in there where we're at, drop it on the floor, and eat there right by us. So I was thinking about what do all these things have in common? Well, both of our boys when they were young and our dog now wants to be in our presence. So why is it we struggle a little bit with the idea of dwelling in God's presence? Shouldn't we want to be in his presence? Shouldn't that be a priority? So I thought about that. I went to Psalm 1611 and This is a psalm of David, and he makes this statement. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, if you don't just love everything about this verse, I don't know what we can do to help you. 
I mean, who wouldn't want a all-you-can-handle joy buffet? Right? Who wouldn't want pleasures forevermore? That ought to be something in that that would draw us and cause us to desire to be in his presence. You know, I fully believe this morning that if I were to ask every single one of you, if you would love to have fullness of joy and you would love to joy in, and walk in the blessings of God and the pleasures forevermore, probably every single person here would raise their hand. You know, think about this. True joy and true peace. And we're talking about being full of that true joy and true peace. Have you ever had those moments where you can just feel God's presence? There's just something in you that you're just walking in that joy and it's just good to be alive and you know that he's smiling on you and you can enjoy that and carry that and walk in that. Those, those moments are so precious. The idea of knowing that we're not alone. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of knowing that the junk I face in life, I do not have to face it alone. That he is with me, that he's walking through me. And somehow, to have someone that is walking with us through this life, that knows it all, that has seen it all, and even sees the things that are on the horizon that we don't see. Never, ever, ever does anything that pops up in your life that knocks you off guard and knocks you back, does God say, wow, I didn't see that coming. No. He's with us. Think of this complete protection, complete security for eternity. We're literally talking lifelock eternity edition. Because we do, we live in a time you got to lock and secure everything. We've got a lifelong account because, I mean, as much stuff as we buy and do and, and have shipped to the house, even for the church and everything, you know, we live in a day and time where, where people are out to steal your stuff. Well, we have an enemy that wants to steal your soul. We have an enemy that wants to destroy your life. The Bible says that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. That his goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But scripture tells us in John 15, 4, that if we remain or we abide in him, that we will bear much fruit. In other words, we'll have a great Life that it will be a life of blessing, a life of prosperity. Now, when you know, prosperity is one of those terms that people throw out all the time. We tend to associate it with money and all these other things, and that can be a part of it. How many know that you can be very, very prosperous and not have all the money in the world? Prosperity is about so much more. So, here's the thought I want you to hold on to today. I want you to grasp this, and I want you to own this. I want you to put it in your heart and your spirit. I want you to understand, I am meant to dwell in the presence of the king. Why would I settle for lesser things? The God of the universe created you to dwell in his presence. When we lost that Through the very expense of his own son, he made sure that things were set back up so that we could get back into that relationship. 
Make no mistake, you were created to dwell in his presence. So my question is this, if we were created, why do we struggle so much in this area as a whole? Why is it we struggle with the idea of dwelling with him? Let's look at that dwell in his presence this morning. First of all, here's what I want you to get through your head. We're designed for it. He created us for relationship. People all over the world, if they can't find God to worship, they will create a God to worship. And I realize we live in a day and time where people say, well, there is no God, but have you noticed they always come up with something else to replace him? No, God exists, but we're going to worship the universe. No, God exists, we're going to worship the planet. Or we're going to worship science. We always replace it with something because we're designed for relationship. Psalms 91.1 says this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You know what? The reason I want you to get a hold of this concept that we were created to dwell in his presence is because I'm afraid that so many times we have more faith in Satan's ability to distract us. We have more faith in Satan's ability to attack us. We have more faith in Satan's ability to tempt us. We have more faith in his in his ability to inflict issues in our lives than we have in our ability to dwell in the presence of God. It's sad, but it's true. So the question is, he wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to dwell. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to dwell in his presence. He wants us to have that relationship Because he wants us to be under his protection. The question is, do we believe? Do we believe that we are created for that? Because the the benefits that we have from dwelling in his presence are so worth it. I mean, think about this. Do 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 we think maybe that perhaps it's not worth it? Do we, do we think that, that perhaps that, that when he gave us his word, that, that he wasn't telling us the truth? And I'm sure most everybody here would say, no, that's not what I believe at all. So my question today is this, then why is it such a struggle for us to dwell? Because I'm not standing here today telling you I've got it all figured out. <clears throat> I'm not standing here today saying, I'm perfect. If you will do everything like I do, you'll be all right. Because if I allow myself, there are many things in this world that removes me from dwelling in him. And this is supposed to be what I do. I understand. If I'm not very purposeful, if I don't sit aside, carve out time for that purpose, then everything in the world will distract me. Anytime I think, well, you know what? I'm not going to get up quite so early. I'm not going to try. You know what? I'm just, I've been, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep in. I'm not going to get up and spend that time before I start my day. You know, if I try to push other stuff back, if I wait, all of a sudden the phone rings, things start happening, and that time is gone. And we first moved into our house, the idea of we were created for it. Out there where at there was no there was no good internet and there was no good TV. 
for a football fan during football season, TV's important. <laughs> we all know the world we live in today, internet's important too, right? So our only choice was to go satellite for both. So we contacted the company, and they came out, and they brought this, this dish that was designed to fit up on the roof, and, and its whole purpose and its whole design was to reach up to the heavens and make a connection and, a, and bring it to a connection with our house. But I noticed something. When they installed it on our house, they didn't just stick it up there and go in there and hook a few things up and turn it on. It was there. No, once they got it there, then they had to go up there and they had to aim the thing to the right point in the heavens to bring in the signal. It was designed for that purpose, but it still had to be aimed. A point I'm making this morning is simply this. You and I are designed to dwell with him. Our problem is we're not always pointed in the right direction. If you'll forgive me this morning, we walk around like this and we're focused on all these other things. And we're focused on our lives. We're focused on on this TV show and that music and, and all these other things and, and focused on making enough money and, and focused on vacations. or And I'm not against any of those things, but you see what I'm saying? We focus on so many things and we walk around and we're aimed at all these other things and then we say, why can't I hear God's voice? That's the answer. Change our focus. Focus on dwelling with him. And I promise you, his voice is not that hard to hear. He desires that communication with you. You were created for that dwelling. You were created for to have him speak into your life. Scripture tells us that he knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. That's the voice that we have followed for years. And that voice has never, ever, ever let us down. That doesn't mean when he speaks something, it's always smooth to get there. But he always comes out on top in the end. Isaiah 65 once says this. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I ran across that passage this week just in my own Bible reading time, and that just jumped off the page at me. How often has he said, I'm willing to be sought by you, but you don't ask. You don't seek. I'm ready to answer but you don't ask. See the point? I wonder how often we're going through some circumstance in life 
and we're trying to face it, and we're trying to figure it out on our own, and we're trying to work it out by our own intellect and our own abilities, and, and I'm guilty just like anybody. When something happens, man, I, I get laser focused. I'm like, okay, I can do this, I can shoot, and we, we, we want to work things out, but so many times it's so easy to get caught up in that stuff, and we don't even stop to say, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? Why do we not ask? Why do we not seek? Psalms 91 1. You're going to hear Psalms 91 1 several times through different translations this morning because I want you to understand exactly what it's saying. The NIV says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to, in your mind, underline those two words dwell, shelter, Dwell in the shelter, so shelter and rest. How many think you could use a little shelter from the things in this world? How many think you could use a little rest sometimes? So let's look at this. Most high shelter. If you ever watch any of those survivor or wilderness shows, or perhaps you yourself were at some point stranded somewhere hostile or shipwrecked on a deserted island or whatever. Well, the first order of businesses would be to create a shelter, right? Your chances of surviving goes up when you have a shelter. Without it, your chances of surviving are quite lower. But the interesting thing is the original Word translated in the King King James for shelter is also translated secret place. So it's not just a shelter. It's almost like when you were a kid and you had the secret club. Or the secret clubhouse. Any any of you guys ever go out in the woods when you were a kid and you guys... kids in the neighborhood kind of built a little something or other that was just kind of a place to go hang out. Anybody done that? We did that when we were growing up. I'll never forget my, my dad decided, we, we lived on a little piece of property when I was younger. My dad decided to trim up a bunch of the trees and stuff and he had this big pile of brush that he put towards the back of the property. I got back there and I rearranged that brush and kind of all of a sudden there was a little doorway in the brush there's a hollowed out area, and it was the clubhouse. It was the secret place to go get away. The same Hebrew words that are translated secret place there in Psalms 32.7 is translated hiding place. Let's look at 32.7, another psalm of David said, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Let me read through the psalms and see that word, Selah. You know what it means? It means to pause. It means to reflect. It means to rest on that. He's our hiding place. Our shelter. You know what? I discovered something. You know, I realize 
that mosquito season is almost over. Praise God. You know we live in a fallen world that is cursed where there's little, well, I say little in Texas, they're not little, little winged vampires flying around. But did you know something I discovered? I didn't realize that. Did you know that mosquito repellent does not repel mosquitoes? You know what it does? It hides you. It blocks their little sensors. So that to them, you're the same thing as a chair or a table or anything else that might land on. It doesn't mean that they won't land on you. They just don't know that they're landing on a food source. That kind of puts a little different spin on the idea of being a hiding place. When we dwell in his presence, that doesn't always mean that all our troubles and all our difficulties and all our things are repelled and pushed away. It just means that we're hidden from them. It just means we have a place of refuge. It means that that we can walk in those. You know, there's just something about, I'm telling you, I love the fact that I can be going through things and difficulties and circumstances and it may be stuff that I have to walk through. It may be stuff that has to happen. But the nice thing is I have a, a secret place. I've got a shelter. I've got a hiding place that I can go to. And for a little bit of time while I'm in his presence, I can, those things can be held at bay. Those things can be out there. They don't have to affect me. I can get refreshed and recharged and rejuvenated. And I can walk out of that secret place, maybe right back into the stuff I was facing. But I walk out with a different attitude. Because I can then look at my trouble and say, you know what? My king told me I'm going to be okay. And so many times we miss out on that. You know, your trouble may still be there, but you can walk in and say, you know what? That's not really the threat the enemy had me convinced it was. I want you to get the picture this morning that like it or not, because of sin... We have been left here in this lost and dangerous wilderness. And scripture tells us that we're not of this world. This is not where we belong anymore if we've asked Christ to be our Lord and Savior. We don't belong here, but we got to be here for a time. Isn't it great that we can have a shelter, that we can have a resting place, that we have a place that we can go to receive those things? We have a place we can dwell It's a solid shelter. It's a secret place. It's a clubhouse. We can go in and shut ourselves in and find safety. It's a hiding place from the elements where where not only are we protected, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by friends. We're surrounded by people. We can get together and gather in his name. We can support one another. We can lift each other up as we're lifting up the Savior. And we can, in that environment, you know, there's something about you. One of the reasons that I'm such a big worshiper that I am is because there is something about when I worship the one that paid the price for me, when, I, when I'm there and I'm in his presence, that I can enjoy that. And when we're doing that together. There's just something inside that says, it's going to be all right. I'm not walking through this by myself. Not only have I got him, I've got you guys as well. So why would I not want to dwell? Why would I not want to dwell with him in my secret place? Why would I not want to go there often? 
Second thought I want you to look at is the idea of rest. We looked at shelter. Let's look at rest. How many of you would say, I could use some rest? Yesterday was a rare Saturday that we didn't have a whole lot on the agenda. It was amazing. Yes, there was all kinds of things that around the house that needed to be accomplished. Guess how many of them got done? It was glorious. You know what? It may be officially fall, but how many of you are still looking for shelters to rest under from the sun? That is not right. Why not rest under the biggest shadow of all? The shadow of our God. The cool, quiet place of spiritual rest. Our troubles may still be outside, but while we're in there, we're at rest. We're at peace. Imagine. I don't know if you've ever pictured it this way. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. But I want you to think of something. Can you imagine when you make that time, and you know the time that works best for you, but for me there is something about when I get up and I get that first cup of coffee and I go upstairs to a little study area that we've set up at the house and I sit down the house is still quiet because for whatever reason I always get up stupid early and I sit there and I open his word and I'm having this time I mean you know I, I'll tell you I'm not always, I don't always get up with the idea of, woo, let's go get in God's presence. A lot of times it's coffee pot. Thank God we've got one that we can sit on a timer and I get up, it's already ready to go. Pour it in, stumble upstairs, sit down, get my eyes to focus. But somewhere along in that process of reading his word, and I read very systematically right now. And just as I run across things, I've got a little spiral notebook that I make notes of what jumps out at me. And I write them down, jot little notes. And when I'm through reading, I go back and I pray through those things that spoke to me from Scripture. It never fails. At some point, all of a sudden, I realize that I am in the presence of the King. Sometimes it's just there. Sometimes it is overwhelming how close you feel to him. Why would you not want that? I recently had something. I'm not going to go into all the details. I recently had something. that Have you ever had something that you just were, you kind of really want to know the answers? Like, God, I need something and I need it now. I recently had a situation. I said, I'm not going to get on the details. But I literally said, Lord, 
I need something today I can hang my hat on concerning this. I need an answer that I can take to the bank, so to speak. And I threw out, I said, Lord, if you could just do this, and I laid it out, if you could do this today, that would be just that little boost of faith that I need. You know, like the father that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I need a little boost of belief. You can ask Kim. I sent her a message. It was not long after I prayed that prayer that I got a text from somebody else that was associated with the situation that literally laid out word for word what I just spoke to him in my secret place. If I hadn't have dwelled, I wouldn't have got that. That's the kind of power that there is. That's what I call rest. You know, we distribute a prayer model once a month, and I know that there's been some that question why we do a scripted prayer, and the idea is not for for you to, to, to pray a script. The idea is that I know that there are people like, well, I hear you talk about these things, but I don't know how to do it. Do this. I mean, that's how I've learned to do a lot of things. I copy what somebody else is doing, then pretty soon you get a feel like, okay, I can do this on my own now. A severe one that you don't need that help, fine. But the point is, some people need that help. And the other thing is that, that it accomplishes is it gets us all praying in a specific direction for the month. And that can never be a bad thing, right? Psalm 91.1 for the third time. This is in the message. Now, I am not a huge fan of the message Bible because there's sometimes I read the way all the other scholars have translated something. They read the message. I'm like, what? You got that from what? But every now and then, because when I study, I'll have like six or eight translations open because I like to just read. And sometimes I'll go back and I'll pull up root words. What was the original wording here? And in the message, Psalms 91.1, when I read this, says this, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Now, if you don't get, there is so much there. Shaddai is one of the names of God. And the Hebrew root word means to overpower or to destroy, suggesting absolute power in many places, in most places in Scripture. In modern translation, it is translated Almighty God. So we know Elohim as the God who creates, but Shaddai reveals himself as the God who controls everything that can even manipulate and change the laws of nature when he desires. Think about that. You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. I don't know about you, but that spoke to me. 
means I can triumph over any obstacle and any opposition that comes to me because I'm in his shadow. I'm with him, the one that is almighty God that control everything. You know, I realize the message may be paraphrased, but on this one, you break down the root words, it's right. It's right. That ought to be something. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like the idea of hanging out, spending the night with Shaddai. <laughs> Man, that's, I don't know why you guys aren't shouting. That's good stuff there. So I want us for a few moments, and I'm going to use a lot more scripture today than probably normally, but I want you to look at what is offered because we spent a lot of time on verse 1, verse 1, verse 1. I want us to look at what else is offered there in Psalm 91. I'm telling you what, if there is a, a chapter in Scripture that is great to pray over and pray through and read, Psalms 91 is one of them. Let's look at verse 2 and then verse 4. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be a shield and a buckler. Now, we kind of understand what refuge and shield are, but buckler is probably not something we use very often. What we're talking about here, we're not talking about some Gilligan's Island shelter. We're talking about a shelter of protection. And when we talk, we understand, we understand what a refuge is. We understand what a shield is. But what is the buckler? The buckler, I looked it up, is the woven together, highly strong material that held all the pieces of the armor together and in place and made it fit and stay where it was supposed to stay. Let that sink in for a moment. He's our refuge He's our shield, but he's also the one that keeps it all together. I don't know, you, sometimes I get in that situation like, Lord, I know that you gave me the shield of faith. I know that you gave me the helmet of salvation. I know that you gave me the breastplate of righteousness, but right now I don't feel like it's all together. Isn't it great to know? That he's our buckler too. He's the one that can hold all those pieces together so that they're where they need to be when we need them. Verses 5 through 8. He goes on to say, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand is your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. And we're talking about being able to rely on his promises. We're talking about that we have no reason to fear. How many know that not living in fear, that's what I call freedom? We can keep on walking through this life, watching what happens to the wicked. Now, we should pray for them. We should want them. But how many know that we, we live in times that can be scary times? This seems like there's junk flying everywhere. There's threats from everywhere we look. There's all these things. But you know what? We don't have to walk in fear. We can walk in that assurance. 
We, I mean, if you're struggling with some of those things, pray through this. That literally, he's saying, it will not come near you. You will observe with your eyes. And as the NIV, NIV says, see the punishment of the wicked. Look at verse 9 through 12. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you fight, strike your foot against the stone. <clears throat> Just think about that. What's he promising? Reinforcements from angels. That's not something that's outside of Scripture. Remember? Remember when the prophet was, was there and his servant was all upset? His servant went out, you know, and, and went and, and picked up the, the I, I picture it this way, he went out to pick up the newspaper and looked out and the enemy had surrounded him. He says, don't worry, there's more that's for us than is against us. And he prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And he saw the angels encamped round about him. See, we may not see it, but, that, but he promises that it's there. Shielded by angels. And even when things aren't going well, guess what it says? They will catch us before we hit rock bottom. Let that sink in. Let's look at verse 13. You will tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. In other words, you walk in places that everybody else is scared to go, and you don't have to walk in fear. I've got missionary friends that live and walk in some of the most dangerous places on the planet and they will tell you that because they're in the middle of God's will that that is the safest place they can be I've got a friend that that we kind of grew up a little bit in the same church for a period of time we both actually preached our first sermons within like a week of each other so we kind of had this connection through the years his name's Tim Teague and he's a missionary but he grew up as a missionary son and he was telling me, I mean, first, first time we went on like a Royal Ranger camp out together and, and we're laying there and we're, we're talking and everything. And he begins to tell stories of the things that he saw as a little kid living out on the mission field in Africa. And he tells the story about one night how that, that they were in, that they, that they had taken their speed to light van into this remote village and, and they were there and as they were sleeping in the van, how they kept hearing drums and music all night long. And then as he said, my dad just looked at me and said, don't worry about it, son, just go to sleep. God's got us. So they did, they went to sleep even though they heard this stuff all night long. Eventually they ended up winning this, this village to Christ. And as that happened, the chief of that village later on told them, said, you know what? That night you guys first came, we were coming to kill you. Who were those really big white guys that was guarding your van? 
that sink in. See, we live in a world where the, where the world tries to tell us to think scientifically and to think these ways and to think that somehow these things are figurative, but they're not figurative, they're true. So as I close this morning, I want to ask the question, so why don't we dwell? If all those things are true, and we believe all those things to be true, why don't we dwell? Why don't we dwell when we know that his presence brings life? When we know that his presence brings protection. Because I don't think there's any of you this morning that I'm looking around the room, I don't think there's anybody that would argue with anything that I've said. But is it somehow we don't really believe him? Or is it because we're afraid that somehow he'll have a different agenda than we have? Or perhaps we've never truly tasted his presence. Because when you truly taste his presence, then you'll understand what it is we're talking about. Let's think about this. If ever was an example in scripture to me, it was King David. And we know, I'm not going to, I don't have time this morning to tell the whole story, but we know that here the shepherd boy was anointed king. We know that, that he's the one that had the dramatic battle with, with Goliath that he won. And, and trust me, those are not fairy tales. Those are true stories. And yet, he, and he, and he, but later on he failed, and he failed miserably. But God himself said, this is a man after my own heart. But after he fell, after he failed, after he did one of the worst sins we can imagine, and the prophet Nathan came and confronted him about his sin, and he repents. Psalms 51 is his response to what the prophet had told him. And in Psalms 51, verse 11, I want you to see something here. He's repenting. He's calling out to God. I know I have sinned. I know I've sinned against you. I know I've done these things. But he makes this statement. He says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. I want you to notice something here. He doesn't say, Lord, don't take my kingdom from me. Lord, don't take that new shiny chariot with all its gold inlay and it's painted to match the color of the horses that are pulling it. It's really cool. It's got all the latest stuff. He says, don't take your presence from me. Don't remove the Holy Spirit from my life. That ought to tell us something if that was his biggest concern in that moment. See, why is it we don't dwell? You know what I think? I think it's because we understand that he will have a different agenda than us. The time dwelling with him will bring about changes in our lives. And we kind of like the way things are. Oh God, change my circumstance, but don't change me. Lord, change my situation, but I want to hold on to this. Well, maybe he's saying, you know what? That right there is why you're in this circumstance. 
Writer and preacher Bob Sorge said this, so powerful. He said, things don't change when I talk to God. Things change when God talks to me. When I talk to God, nothing happens. When God talks, the universe comes into existence. So the power of prayer is found not in convincing God of my agenda, but in waiting upon him to hear his agenda. See, when we spend that time dwelling, it's amazing how all of a sudden our will begins to align with his will. And when we get there, you will walk in a power and an authority and a protection and you will have moments where the very thing that you prayed is answered word for word because you're praying in accordance with his will and purpose. Here's the thing. The God of the universe has invited you to dwell with him in his presence where it says there's fullness of joy. So why is it we don't? Why is it we hold back? I'm going to close with this thought if we can get our worship team to come back. What's in the way? Sin. And if we're honest, sin is a cancer to our soul. It's a cancer to our spiritual walk. It's a cancer to our spiritual health. And when you have cancer in the body, one of the tools that doctors use in this day and time is radiation therapy. And the whole idea is if they can focus the right amount of radiation on the area that's invading your body, they can kill it. The problem is it's not 100% successful. The problem is it comes with all kinds of side effects. But the good news is when we dwell in his presence, we're getting radiated as well but by his glory. And if we allow ourselves, the more time we spend in his presence, radiated by his glory, the more our sin and issues begin to withdraw and back out of our lives. All their side effects, but they're all wonderful. So if you're struggling, why not try dwelling in his presence? Why not say, Lord, I'm... I'm ready to enter in. Lord, I will, you know, because it, how many things, I mean, if you went to a doctor and the doctor said, well, you know, well, we're not that good at this either, but if you'll just do this, your issue can be corrected. I talked to our doctor and they said, because I had some things that, going on in my life and so I did what they were told me and so all my numbers and everything are coming back in line just like they're supposed to be and I'm off all this medication that I was on for a period of time two years ago when I had my situation and so doctor looked at me and said you know what I'm proud of you if I could just get everybody to do what they're supposed to do 
But what do we want? I'll just give me a little pill to fix it. But there's side effects. In the same way, if we just dwell in his presence and do what he says, we'll find the junk begin to back out of our lives. We'll find that we walk in that authority. We begin to walk in spiritual health. We begin to experience his presence. And and all of a sudden, there are such great things that come from dwelling in his presence. But it takes effort. It takes effort. This morning, I want to challenge you. Start. Start tomorrow. Start this afternoon. Make a decision. We've added to ours recently. We each have our private time in the mornings. We said, you know what? Let's have a time together in the evening. We can turn the TV off for one hour. I mean, how... How many times do we sit there? I mean, we're jumping to this. We're jumping to cable. We're jumping to Netflix. We're like, well, I can't find anything to watch. And so we settle for watching some stupid piece of trash. Why not just press the OFF button and spend a little time dwelling in his presence? So we said, we're going to take some time in the evening together separate time in the morning together in the evening it's worth it it's worth it Mm, it's worth it